0: Glad that you're here with us. Uh, Last week we finished a series... Uh, talked about where miracles live, and we looked at four different points, four different aspects of miracles. We talked about miracles in your mouth by you confessing the Word of God, being able to speak to mountains, controlling things in the atmosphere in your life. We talked about miracles in your heart, having a heart of compassion like we found with the Good Samaritan that you would, when you 'll move with compassion you 'll start seeing God show up in your life in, in some different ways. We then finished or I guess in the third week, uh, we talked about miracles in your feet that you 're never going to have or see anything until you kind of put action to what you're believing or what you're thinking. There's, There's got to be a corresponding action to everything that you desire God to do in your life. Uh, the only way anybody gets saved is by believing in their heart and saying something with their mouth. And then we see the action of that in a life well lived for God. And last week, we finished talking about this one uh, message that there's a miracle in your money. We really kind of talked about some things along those lines. And, and I said, I kind of concluded the, 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 the message in the series to say, hey, I think that, you know, sometime in the future, we're going to, we're going to kind of hit this money thing one more time. And, and I just sensed the nudge of the Holy Spirit that we're going to kind of to delve into that one more time this morning. And and maybe next week, uh, I want to talk about it because Uh, And I hope you have some ears to hear this morning. I really believe you do. And if you're new, we don't want anything from you. If you're checking out Spectrum Church, we're just thrilled that you're here. But if you're a regular, I want to encourage you just to lean in a little bit because um, I really believe God's got a lot to say uh, to you, to me, about money and finances and resources and debt and greed and planning and budgeting. In fact, when you read the New Testament, there's about 35 to 38 individual parables that Jesus taught. In in the red letters, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 16 of those 35 to 38 parables, again, all depends on how you count them, you know, they're, they're, they're talked about in each of those parables, but 16 of 35 or 38, Jesus talks about money and resources and and what to do and greed and, and avarice in our heart and, and and so it's huge and and you know it everybody in this room it took you money to get here this morning you're living in money a house a, a condo a, a, an apartment you're living in something you got to pay for so jesus knows god knows that we deal with this every area of our life and in every aspect of our life and you can't separate you from your money it's impossible We'll talk about some things this morning that maybe you've heard before. Uh, maybe you haven't heard before. And again, we don't want anything from you. I'm just trying to give you some good news that's going to be able to change your life. Does that sound all right, everybody? I wish some people to talk to me about this maybe a little bit more when I was younger. I was raised in an environment, a Christian home. I think I've told a lot of you that before. And so when it comes to giving, when it comes to generosity... It's second nature to me. My grandparents did it. Kimberly's grandparents did it. My mom and dad did it. Kimberly's mom and dad did it. I grew up in an environment where giving was no big deal. I saw it. I saw it exercised. I saw it. We talked about it regularly. And so it was no big deal. Maybe you haven't come from that same experience. And, and so your ramp up will, will, will be a little bit where you need to get some information. And hopefully uh, today and maybe next week uh, will be a, a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of sauce, if you will, uh, on your hamburger or steak where where you get a chance to see that God really wants you to, to, to partake. Uh, of what he has so that you can walk maybe in a realm you haven't walked before come on jump with me i'll have some scriptures on the screen and some points want you to write them down i think they're going to help you Uh, look with me to luke chapter eight verse one through three i'll I'll read it from the amplified bible so if you got a phone maybe you want to write it down mark it in your in your U version phone app look at this now soon afterward jesus went on through towns and villages preaching and bringing the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of god that's what he did he went from town to town teaching preaching healing it says, and, and the 12 apostles were with him. So he, he, had a, he had a posse with him. He had a group with him. He had, he, he had these guys with him that traveled everywhere. Um, I don't know about you, but I haven't got a staff of 12. We've got preschool staff and we've got some staff here, but I haven't got a staff of 12. Pastor Diego has a very large staff. And, and maybe you're working in an environment. Maybe you're working in a business and you've got employees and we have several business owners here. Um, let me ask you a question. How much do, how much do you have to pay those twelve? What kind of insurance do you you have to do? What kind of, you know, money to the 401k? Uh, Jesus asked these guys to leave their family, to leave their family and come travel with them. Do do you think Jesus just said you're on your own? Uh, uh, Make it or break it. Uh, You're you're, you're eating uh, uh, beans and rice every day, and, and if you get any money, okay? I don't think so. I don't think that's the Jesus life. I think the Jesus life is if you follow him, he's going to take care of you. So I, I believe Jesus is taking care of Peter, James, John, Andrew, Bartholomew. I believe he's taking care of them. I believe they're sending money home to mama and the kids while they're out doing the Lord's work. So kids aren't tainted. Oh, you're going to serve Jesus? Get ready to be poor. Go to church? Get ready to be poor. They're going to take all your money. Don't get a good job. Don't go to school. Don't get an education. Don't have your own business. Just come to Jesus. Give it all away. Be poor. That's not the gospel. Keep reading here, verse 2. And some of the women who were cured of evil spirits and diseases, keep that in your mind, keep that in your mind, Mary called Magdalene, whom seven demons have expelled from her. Uh, She was a mess. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, check it out, and many others. Luke, the doctor, is very precise as all physicians are. And Luke writes several women who followed with him, lists their names, but then he says, and many others, come on, and many others, who ministered to and provided for him. Who's the him? Come on, somebody say Jesus. Who ministered to and provided for him and them, him and them, him, Jesus, and them, them apostles, them apostles, out of their property and personal belongings. When I was a kid, I used to think that Jesus would just kind of go up and kind of like shazam and, and come on, we got in and out for everybody. And and, and then kind of come over here and go, so voila! And and, and it's got Macy's latest robes and, and Birkenstock sandals for all the boys. That's not what happened. And that's not what happens to you. There were people that followed Jesus that ministered to Him and them out of their personal belongings and property. Wow. One translation says this. Many others were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and His disciples. This is how Jesus was supported for the three and a half years of ministry that we see him fulfilling on the earth. Uh, Jesus, what we found out here is that Jesus changed these ladies' lives, It lists them, and many others. And I would dare say, probably almost everybody in the room today, you have been changed by Jesus. Can anybody just say amen to that? And maybe you haven't been changed by Jesus, but if you hang around long enough, you're going to be changed by him. And what happens, or what happened to these ladies when they were transformed, they were changed. I mean, like like, like this lady had demons in her, and they got cast out, and addiction, and and the addictions left, and and fear, and the fear left, and, and living a life of anxiety and worry, and I'm Prozac, and I can't get free from my past, and all that stuff changed because one man came into their life. What was the result? The result was they gave to help him. They gave to help him so he could help more people. So look on the screen. I question. If Jesus has done something for you, don't you think you should do something for him and his work? I really believe you should. I really believe it's just that you've changed me. You've helped me. And not just to thank you, but now I want to help you reach. Reach more people. You know it's kind of crazy when you read, again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see this, or let me say it this way, you won't see this ever one time, except one encounter that we'll read about in a little bit from Matthew 22. Never in the Gospels did Jesus ever ask anybody for money. Never one time. We'll talk about that a little bit, why that reason is but i really believe that jesus knew something maybe a lot of us don't know or a lot of us haven't walked in yet and i believe again today will be some uh, uh some sprinkling some some today will be some stirring some day today will be some things where things get ruffled and wrestled in you where where you and i need to come to at least some decisions or move further down the road of of what jesus wants to do in your and my life let's look over the new testament to the to the book of second corinthians chapter 8 uh, this is the Apostle Paul. If you don't know, the Apostle Paul wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. He wasn't an original disciple, but he got saved and he gave his life to the Lord uh, when he was persecuting the church. And, and I like what somebody said, God slapped the S off his name from Saul and got him a new name, gave him a P for Paul. Come on, somebody. How many know, come on, if you get involved in Jesus' life, he'll just change your name. Come on, he'll change your tra- tra- trajectory. And so Paul went from town to town, place to place, all up, in, uh, all up around uh, the, the, the coast uh, around where, where Jerusalem was. And north of Macedonia and all these modern day Turkey in that area, establishing churches and and preaching and seeing people saved and, and planting the kingdom of God everywhere he went. And so now he's writing a letter back to one of those churches, the church at Corinth. You can go and you can find remnants of, uh, in the Greece culture where this was, in Corinth. And look what he says and he writes. Let me read it to you from the, from the NIV, New International Version. And I've got a little note at the top of my Bible It actually says this, The Collection for the Lord's People. The Collection for the Lord's People. And so you all that are familiar with chapter Second uh, Corinthians chapter eight and chapter nine, the entire two chapters, the Apostle Paul is dealing with money. He's dealing with resources. He's dealing with what you should think about it, what this one church did, and what I'm asking you guys to do. And he was, if you will, he was kind of putting the not, not the screws, but he was putting not even pressure. He was he was giving the Corinthians an opportunity to see what another church was actually doing. And it's interesting, when you see what other people do, maybe it can broaden you to what possibly you could do. And I believe that's what the Apostle Paul's doing. Check it out here, verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, he says, we want you to know about the grace. Come on, somebody say grace. The grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. So Paul's saying, hey, Church of Corinth... Let me tell you what God's doing over here at this church. Let me tell you what God's doing in the Macedonians. Um, And what he says is, I'm going to tell you about this thing called grace that is happening in their church that I want happening in your church. Now, when we talk about grace, guys, uh, the Bible says that you're saved by grace through faith. And we, we, I think a lot of us know that, that, that grace is this wonderful, wonderful gift and wonderful, wonderful expression that, that is unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor, that God just gives you something. You can't earn your salvation. You can't work for it. You can't hold enough ladies' hands across the street. You can't bake enough cookies for the, for the afflicted. You can't do anything to earn your salvation. It is called grace. Can somebody say amen for that? But Paul says that same grace applies to your finances. That God wants to get involved in all your life. I don't, don't, the worst thing you can do is take your Christianity and go, it's a Sunday thing. It's a Sunday thing. It's a kind of. You know, a special, special day thing or, or my money, like we're talking about, my money, the money I have. It's, it's just all my thing. God says your whole life, your whole Christianity, everything about you is mine. It belongs to me. I want to have impact. I want to have influence. I want to lead you, guide you, direct you. I want grace to be in your entire life. I want grace in your marriage. I want grace with your family. I want grace for some of you in college with your schooling. I want grace with you, you high school students. I want you to see my goodness, and my generosity, and you don't even earn it. You can't deserve it. Somebody help me up in here this morning. Amen? Now look what he says in verse 2. In the midst of a very severe trial. Now now check out these words very carefully. In the midst of a very severe trial, there, the Macedonians, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. What? What? Come on, come on, somebody. What? Look at that. Stare that down. In the midst of very severe trial, they're overflowing. How can you have a trial? Talk, talking about money. Talking about difficulty. Talking about, man, the government's coming on us and, and they're taking away our stuff. And, and In the midst of a severe trial, they're overflowing joy. They had joy, but they had extreme poverty. It welled up in rich generosity. These words are anti-American. We don't think this way. If i got the screws being put on me, I'm hoarding, I'm gathering, I'm storing, I'm, because bad days are coming. Not the Macedonians. Not these guys. They said, man, you guys have been so good to us. We're going through a difficult time right now. Well, it's challenging right now. It looks like we don't know if we're going to be able to pay rent right now. But uh, we're just not going to be thinking about ourselves. And Paul says... My, 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 rich generosity overflowed in their heart with joy, even though they were going through a severe trial. So that just tells me that their circumstances didn't control their response. Circumstances don't control my response or your response. So what I know is if you'll make decisions ahead of time, when you get to where that deal is, you'll already have made up your mind. I've already made up my mind. This is what I'm going to do. I've already made up my mind. This is the way it's going to be. I've already, uh, the bank has made up my mind for me and for you. You don't pay the car payment. The bank has already made up your mind. You don't pay the car payment. They're getting the car. Get in the car. Get in the car. You don't pay the house payment. It's going to the foreclosure. Don't cry. Don't say devil ain't bad devil. No, 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 no. You sign the contract. They're coming to get it. It's just the way it is. God's not that way. But what we see here is we see God is after a response continually from our heart based on how good he's been to our life. Amen, everybody. Verse three, I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. What? We are reading stuff in the Bible, guys. That is just amazing to read. We got poor people. We got people in severe trial. We got people in extreme poverty. And and, and yet they've got generosity. And it says they gave as much as they could and even beyond their ability. Beyond their ability. So again, this is going to be this this is kind of like one of those messages where I'm just asking you to ask yourself some questions and maybe get a little frustrated with me because I'm asking you. I'm just telling you. We had a meeting, Kimberly and I, uh, we got a financial planner now, just because we needed to, because uh, I just needed to. And so he, he asked us to fill out some stuff. And the financial planner is sitting there, me and Kimberly and him in the, in the office, downtown San Diego, on a whiteboard. And he's asking me some questions that are making me nervous. Because I didn't, I, I, I wanted to have a better answer, but if I had a better answer, I'd be lying. So I want you to get a little frustrated with me, with me this morning. I, is that all right, everybody? We have coffee out there to calm you after this message, okay? Here's a question based on the scripture. If there has never been a time in your life where you look back and say, how did we give that? You've never tapped into God's grace of giving. I believe everybody in the room, if you're, if you're older, as old as me, you'll look back and you'll go, like, naturally, man, how did we buy that house? How did we get the money for the down payment? How, how did we get that child through college? How, in that time, in that difficulty, how did we make it? When you look back, you'll go, uh, you know, you, you'll think that way sometimes. But this church did something crazy. They sacrificed with extreme joy. They were, they were poverty, they were in poverty, in, in a crazy trial. And yet, they gave as much as they were able, and beyond, how do you give beyond your ability? It's called grace. It's called grace. God says, if you'll put me in your life, if you'll order, my, order your life around generosity, I'll do things for you that at the end of the day, the end of the month, the end of the year... Don't make sense. I want to live there. I don't know about you. I want to live there. I, I want to live there. Paul says this in verse 4. He says they urgently, these Macedonians, plead with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Again, check it out. Uh, they, 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 they pray. They earnestly plead with us that they wanted to help. They wanted to share. They ple- I don't know about you, but I read that going you got to be kidding me. People were pleading, the Apostle Paul and Titus, the other guys that were there, to to actually say, we want to help. Here, come on, we're, we're pleading. Take my money. Come on. Come on, have you ever... Take my money. I want to give more. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to give so the work of God can go on. That's what he's saying. This church viewed their giving as service. It's amazing. They viewed their giving as service. They didn't say I serve God on Sunday, or I serve God in, in this area, or I serve, I, I serve God in every area of my life, including, I- including my giving, the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord and the Lord's people. Uh, we'll just finish here in verse five. Look what he says. He says, "And they exceeded our expectation." Paul says, "Man, these Macedonian church, wow, we we can't believe they did what they did. They exceeded our expectations." Here's the key. Don't miss it. Here's the key right here of the whole thing. And you're in my life when it comes to living generous and when it comes to having open heartedness and open handedness. I don't want to have an open heart without an open hand. I don't want to have an open mouth without an open hand. I want to have it all. I want to do it all. I want to live right. I want to be right. I want to act right. I want to give right. I want to pray right. I want want a life that's just right with God. A life that's open to God. Here's what he says. They exceeded our expectations because they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. They gave themselves first to the Lord And then they gave themselves, Paul says, to us. So based on this, guys, here's what I say. If God has you, He has everything that you have. This is the issue with money. This is the issue with stuff. This is the issue with possessions. This is the issue with retirement accounts. This is the issue with savings accounts. This is the issue with all my money is do I view it as belonging to me or do I view it as belonging but belonging to God? So as painful as the question could be, maybe we could ask this, does God have you or does stuff have you? Does God have you or does stuff have you? How easy is it to give away? How easy is it to be generous? How, how easy is it to, to, to tithe? How easy is it to give offerings? How easy is it when, when a missionary comes through that you say, I'm going to sacrifice. I, we're just not going to go out to eat this week. And we're just gonna we're gonna write a little bit big bigger checks so the message can go further in that part of the world. That, that's what we're gonna do. Uh, what do you think about that? What, how, how, when it comes to your stuff, when it comes to how you're managing, is is it segmented? This even even givers, even people that have that are like me. Maybe you've been in church and and, and you're tithing and you're. But 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 I still think that's God's and the rest is mine. Can, can God ever talk to me about this, or, or 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 do I think that I've just done what I'm supposed to do over here and, and don't talk to me anymore about this, God. Uh, I think he's got a lot to say about it all. Uh, Here's how most Americans think. Look on the screen real quick. Most Americans think this, number one, when I get some money, when I get my paycheck, once a month it gets, you know, emailed or wire transferred to my account, hits my account. I I get my money. First thing I'm doing is I'm going to spend. First thing I'm doing is I'm spending. I'm going to spend. Then if I've got anything after that, I'm going to save. I'm going to save some if I've got anything. I know I'm supposed to, and I know maybe maybe you haven't got a 401k at your work, or maybe you haven't got any investment accounts. So you you better you better do that because uh, that day's coming when you're going to retire and you're going to want something because uh, the welfare system or excuse me the social security system might not be there when you're when you're of that age, young people. Uh, so, so so we spend and and then if we have some we save and then at the end of all that if 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 and very few people even get there we'll give we'll, we'll give. Versus God's way, guys, God's way is that when you get your income, number one, you give. It's already predetermined. It's already predetermined. I've already I've already predetermined a percentage of my giving to God. I don't have to think about it. Don't have to wonder about it. Don't even have to pray about it. I've already decided that when I get my income, when I get my check, here's God's way. God wants you to then be a giver. Number one, the Bible says this. Jesus tells us that in, in Matthew chapter six, He says, "Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness." And He says, "I'm going to add everything you need. I'm going to take care of everything you need." He talks about shoes. He talks about clothes. He talks about about but eating what you need he's just saying everything in your life trust me i'm going to take care of you but make sure i'm first it's, it's the law of first so he said so the, the god's way is is that we give first and and then we save second come on we save second And then we spend last. This is God's way. This is God's economy. This is what God wants to do in your life where you order your life and you begin ordering your life around God's principles and around generosity. And when you do that, you'll start seeing God show up in your life in very unusual and yet very practical ways. Come on. Anybody seen that yourself? I know you have. Last week we talked about the parable of the talents. We talked about it from Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus is telling a parable. And he talks about this situation where there was a rich, wealthy landowner. And the wealthy landowner is getting ready to go away, the Bible says, for a very long time. And he has three of his workers there that are evidently... Uh, were faithful up at that point, and and and, and he, he gets them all together, and he gives the first worker a five talents of silver. And again, by way of reminder, talents doesn't mean singing and administration and leadership. It's money. It it is money. It's what he's talking about. He gave the first guy five talents uh, of, of silver. Five talents of raw money. Uh, one translation or one commentary said each of those talents was about a million dollars. So let's just kind of think about that. That's a lot of money. He's gone away for a long time. These guys have been faithful. And he says, I want you to manage the estate while I'm gone for a long time. One guy, let's say, got five million. Next guy got two million. Other, third guy got one million. Here's what the Bible then says. Jesus said, each according to their own ability. Each according to their own ability. Then he went away for a very long time. He comes back after a long time. And he finds the guy that had five doubled his. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He comes to the guy that had two... And he doubled his, and he went, man, I gave you two million or two talents. Now you got four or four million. Amazing, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And if you've read the story, it's kind of sobering, because the guy that had one, he actually says, he says, man, I I looked at you, boss, as a hard and austere man, and you're trying to reap stuff where you haven't even planted seed. And the owner says to him, you wicked and you lazy servant. Take from him and give it to the guy who has ten, Woo. and you be cast out into outer darkness. Man, he got no well done. He got a he got a terrible rest of his life. <laughs> the, the parable is telling us lots of things here, guys. But I want to bring you at least five points. We could preach all morning on this. But but even the guy that was the, the guy with the one. The, the, the owner actually even said, you, you should have you at least put my money in the bank to gain entrance. Have some interest, man. You didn't even put it to the bank. And so just by way of thought, the least you do with your money is put it in the bank. That's the least thing you do with your money. God wants you to take risks and chances and invest your money. A couple of thoughts on the screen, what we learned from this. Number one, what you possess, you really don't own. You only manage. What you possess, you really don't own. You only manage. Can I tell you something? Ownership is a myth. It's a myth. Why is it a myth? Because when you die, you leave it. It's a myth. You don't own anything. You don't own anything. What we see also from this is that success comes from work. Success comes from work. They were given a certain amount of talent, a certain amount of money, and they had to work it. They had to get involved in whatever they did. Whatever how they made money, they made money that way. And we all have different graces. We have different abilities. We have different, different thoughts. We have different things that God's given us that we can do it uh, in our generation. We'll talk about it in a minute. But, but what we can see here is that, is that there wasn't any government freebies. <laughs> it was like told to, you do business until I come. You you get involved in enterprise until I come. You buy and sell until I come. But don't bury your talent. Don't do nothing with what I've given you. Number three, we're not all created equally financially, we see from this. We're not all created equally. So the worst thing you can do is look at somebody else and say, I want what they want when you don't have that grace and ability in your life. We're not all created equal financially. He gave one five, another two, another one, according to their predetermined ability. Their ability. God's put something inside you that nobody else has. What God's asking you to do is be the best God's called you to be. Come on, everybody. Number four we see here is that the money, is that, excuse me, the money wasn't theirs to keep, but it was to honor the owner. When the owner came back, he was asking for his money, he was asking for his, it wasn't mine to keep. My paycheck just isn't mine. Neither is yours. If we'll get this right, we'll start tapping into the grace that God wants us to tap into that will far exceed anything you could do on your own. The last we see here is that we are going to be held accountable. We will be held accountable to what we did with the owner's money. And if you haven't figured it out already, let me clue you in. The owner is God. He owns everything. Come on, everybody. We are called as managers. Some of you part-time managers making $12 an hour. Other of you business owners making making millions every year. Some of you on fixed incomes retired. God is still asking you to manage what is His. And He is going to grace you. And He is going to help you. And He's going to hold your hand. And He's going to He's going to inspire you. And He's going to bring people around you. He's going to give you dream and vision. And He wants to see His work continued. Through what he has entrusted to your hand. Can you say amen, everybody? Amen, 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 amen. What I find intriguing, though, is that if the owner, just think with me, if the owner asks the manager for a portion of the money, how could the manager say no to the owner? If the owner asks the manager, it's like for me, you know, we've got money now invested with a financial planner. If I went to my financial planner, send him an email and say, hey, you know, send me $10,000 for from my, from my 403B account, from, from whatever. Say, no, 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 you can't have it. What do you mean you can't? It's my money. What are you talking about? It's my money. Get it out right now. I'm taking my money out. It's good. I'm taking it out. I'm going to find somebody else. Yet the owner is constantly talking to the body of Christ, you and me, the church, us, the owner, God, saying, would you give what is mine here to the church, to the missionary, to the poor? Would you give to this cause? And many times we have a closed hand. Now for the Christian, if you're not a Christian here today, this really doesn't apply to you, uh, but but we'll give you an opportunity to, to make it yours at the end of the service. But for the Christian, we live in two worlds. We, we live in two worlds. Uh, we live in the natural world uh, that, that God's asking us to do something with our money, much like the parable in Matthew 25, to buy and sell. That's why it, it's prudent to, to have stocks and bonds. And if, if you're a real estate guy or, or 401K and mutual funds, uh, that's, what, that's what you need to do. A uh, Dave Ramsey, financial planner, great Christian guy. If you don't know him, look him up, look him up online. Uh, they actually tell us, financial planners tell us that you need three to six months of your, of your income in a savings account just in case something crazy happens. So, so if you make $5,000 a month, they want you to have... Fifteen to $30,000 a month set aside. Not an investment account, just set aside just in case something crazy goes on. That, that, that's prudent. But we just don't live in a natural world. We also live in a spiritual world. We live in, in God's kingdom system where he owns it all. And God's asking us to invest some of our money in his kingdom enterprise. What do you mean? Through the church, through missions, through just living a generous life, through having an open, uh, open heart and an open hand to whatever God's placed on your heart heart to do. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm convinced that, that if we're going to see, if we're going to stop or I should say the, the, the madness of money in our life, we're just not going to have to live in the natural economy. We have to live in a heavenly economy, everybody. Or else the madness will continue. The angst will continue. The, 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 the tension will continue. And God wants you to live free from that when you begin to trust Him in a brand new way. Is that sound right, everybody? I want to read you something from matthew chapter 22 it's a crazy crazy bit of scripture i'm just going to read you one scripture i'm going to set it up for you religious leaders came to jesus like they always did and they were trying to tempt him and test him and, and catch him and, and trap him in, in conversations and so some religious leaders came to jesus and, and they asked them uh do you and your guys pay taxes to caesar or not do, do you pay taxes and Jesus knew, if I say no, the Roman government, and the word's going to spread, the Roman government's going to hear about it, and they're going to come on me, they're going, to, they're going to put me in jail for not paying taxes. But if I say yes, my followers, who are mainly just everyday people, they're, they're not going to be digging me too much, because the Roman government were notorious for overtaxing and, and burdening, uh, burdening the people. So, so Jesus is a master. He's, he, you, can't, you can't trick Jesus. Come on, everybody. And so Jesus says... Bring me a coin. Bring me a coin. And he says this, whose inscription, whose image and inscription is on this coin? I I can see somebody gives him a coin and and he grabs it and he just, you know, a quarter, you know, a little. And he flips it around. Whose image? Whose inscription is on this coin? Verse 22, excuse me, verse 21 of Matthew 22. Look here on the screen. Passion translation. Whose inscription? Whose image is it? They said it's Caesar's. It's Caesar's. Then Jesus said, precisely, for the coin bears the image of the emperor Caesar. Well, then you should pay the emperor what is due the emperor. But because you bear the image of God, give back to God all that belongs to him. Jesus caught him like he always catches him and he catches you and he catches me. The coin, we find, what he said, belongs to Caesar because it carries his image. What's he saying? We live in a world. We live here. We pay back to to civil authorities. We we pay taxes, whether you think it's high or not, and I think it's high or not, whatever. We buy, we sell, we live, we trade, we live in the economy. we We give back to Caesar, we give back to the government, in our case, The United States government, we give back to the city of Chula Vista, we give back to the state of California, we give back, we live here. Uh, But but that's just not all, Jesus said. That's one side of the coin. Uh, But we also belong to God because we carry His image. We carry His image. His image. The book of Genesis says that we've been made in His image and His likeness. That every Christian in the room... You're from another world. So even though we belong in this world and we've got a natural image that we give to and we're taxed from and we support the government, we pay our taxes and we're good citizens like Romans 13 tells us to do. But also with that, with that same money, that same money, I then carry a different image and I give back to God what belongs to God question then would be this whose image is stamped deeper on your heart and soul whose image the image of the world or the image of god is it caesar representing the way the world thinks or is it god and the way he thinks we could ask a question then is god over your money or is your money over your god is God over your money, or is money taking the place of really being God in your life? If We, we can all answer that question ever how you think. And, and, and like me, and in the midst of the financial planner, and he's writing stuff on the chalkboard, and I'm getting a little hot, and I'm, I'm a little sweaty, and I'm scooting around in my chair because he's, he's asking some pressing questions to me, and I, I can tell him whatever I want. <laughs> But I, but, I, but I want truth to come out of me because I want to change. I want to think right about money and planning and what I can do and, 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 and being more generous the, the, the older I get. And, and so, the, whose image is stamped deeper on my heart and soul, the, the question, would, the answer would be, well then, Gary, look at what you're doing with your money right now. Because whatever you are doing with your money right now, That's the image that's stamped on your soul, on your heart. I don't have to wonder about it. It just is. It just is. So if it's God, it's going to show up when I go to my bank account, on my online banking, that God's got to be in there somewhere. If God's not in there, God's not stamped on my heart. I've got another stamp. I've got me. I've got the world. And don't, don't take my word for it. L- let's see what Jesus says in Luke 16, 13. He says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Notice those words. Those are earth-shattering words. These they shake me when I read them. No one. This is God, Jesus, saying no one can serve two masters hate the one, love the other, devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve both. It's not a little bit of e- either. It's not, one or the, it's not just a little bit of this and a lot of bit of that. It's one or the other. It's, it is completely a divide between the two. You cannot serve both God and money. Listen, guys, Jesus called money a master. You cannot serve two masters. We'll read this probably next week, this whole parable that Jesus talks to a religious guy here. And we'll, we'll tie up some loose ends. I'm kind of leaving you hanging. If Jesus said, you know, you can't serve two masters and he stopped right there. Uh, you, you, can't serve, you, you, you can't serve God and what? Uh, the, the devil. You can't serve God, what would the blank be? And, and yourself. Jesus didn't even say that. He put the two masters in your life and my life here in the 21st century. Just like it was in the first century. The two masters are the same. They've always been the same. God or money. That's the master. So the way you deal with the money madness is to tell it who is master and then to show it who is master. You tell it, money you're not going to master me. During offering time, do you get tense? Do you get tense? Or do you say, "No, I know who I am. I've already predetermined the amount of giving I'm going to give." So, and then if you want me to do anything more, Lord, all you got to do is talk to me because I'm just a manager. I'm just a manager. I'm not an owner. Now, going back to that the, the the story that Jesus had with the coin, you know, he he said something very you know interesting that you probably picked up on it already. He says, you know. Uh, whose image, whose image is on that? And he asked them before, what, what is the inscription? The inscription and the image, one translation says. The inscription and, and, and the image. Image is a picture. Inscription is words. Image is a picture. Inscription is Words. So here's a question. What do you see? What do you see? And what do you say to yourself about money? What do you see? What do you see about money? All those rich people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you say to yourself? Have you been lying to yourself your whole life? And you're cutting off God wanting to move in your life in a powerful way? What's the inscription on in your heart? It's interesting. My son, Michael, he's not here today. I'd love for him to tell the story. He, he's a brilliant storyteller, way better than me or Kimberly or any of our kids, I think. He'll, he'll engage you with his stories, maybe not from the stage so much, but just in personal talking to you. He tells a story because he, he, he's a manager at Best Buy. He's second in charge of the Best Buy in Las Vegas. Been working there 10 years, moved up from nothing and just moved up. And he was at a company meeting one time and... I know they were asking some personal questions, and they, they put him on the spot about, about uh, they noticed him that he's a shoe guy. Come on, how many of you know shoe guys might run in the family? Come on, get an amen, somebody. He's a shoe guy. And so, he says, hey, Mike, I know, man, we were out hanging out, not necessarily at work, but out hanging out, because you've got certain clothes you've got to wear at work, you know, black pants, blue shirt, Best Buy, black shoes, you know. But when we're out, man, I noticed you, you like shoes, man. You've got shoes all the time, man. What's up? And put him on the spot. He said, well, here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. When we moved down here in 2000, in 2001, he said, I went to Benita High School. Well, he went to Eastlake for a while, and then he transferred to, to, to Benita. He said, I went to, to Eastlake, and we had just moved here from Canada, a small town in Canada. And uh, he went to gym, and, and went to gym class, and, and he had his tennis shoes on, right? I don't even know what they were, but we, come on, we were not rolling any kind of money, so he had some off-brand tennis shoes. And, he, and, and he's got his tennis shoes on, and so he took off his jeans and put on his, his, his shorts for, for, you know, working out. And he said, all the guys made fun of me like, you're wearing those? And they, they made fun of him. That was stamped on my son's heart. That image on him. That inscription on him to say, I am never just going to have One pair of shoes. He makes enough money, he can do what he wants to do with anything he wants. Just like you do and you can do whatever you want. I'm just bringing the point that there was some time in his life that there was a picture and there was an image that was embedded in his soul and he's got lots of shoes to this day. Some of you are doing things to this day and you're as old as me because something happened to you 30 years ago. Something was said to you 30 years ago. Maybe you were told, all the church does is want your money. And so when it comes to offering, when it comes to generosity, when it comes to your heart being opened, you're closed fist. Some of you have been hurt by money. There's been things that have been done to you, you've been stolen from. And so you're just saying, I'm going to hoard it all. I'm never going to be in that situation uh, I- I- anymore. Let me encourage, us. no way to live if we're going to live according to the Word of God, according to the Bible. God's got a better way that you can stop the madness concerning money in your life. That you don't go throughout your whole life and say, it's mine, I do what I want, I've earned it, I deserve it, I, ha- I never have enough. That, that image gets broken in your life, again, by God's love and by understanding He's a good, good Father. And He's never doing anything to hurt you or harm you, but so that you could partner with Him and see His goodness in your life in an amazing way. Can you say amen, everybody? We read it last week, Proverbs chapter 3. If you've never read it before, let me give it to you. Wisest man in the earth. The Bible says Solomon wrote it. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Then he says your barns are going to be filled with plenty and your vats are going to overflow with new wine. What Solomon is saying, he says just honor God with everything. Notice no, not your possessions. Honor God with everything. He owns it all. I'm going to honor you. You own it all. You own it all. And with the first fruits. And the first fruits always talk about the tithe, the top 10%. So I'm ordering my life for our generosity. I get my check. I get my check. And the percentage of that's already going. It's already going. It's already predetermined. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Predetermined. Already goes. Already goes. Then I'm going to save. Then I'm going to save. I'm going to save money. I'm going to put money aside. Then I'm going to, then I'm going to live on money. I'm going to spend money. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of all your increase... Then he says, something's going to happen in your life, your barns, your life, your house, your, your, your resources. They're going to be filled with plenty. You're going to have an abundant life. You're going to see my peace like you've never. You're going to see my joy like you're going to have your vats are going to overflow with new wine. Wine in the Bible always talks about the Holy Spirit and joy. Come on, everybody. You live a life of meaning. You live a life of freedom. You live a life where it's full and you'll see God doing something in your life that you haven't maybe experienced up until now. I want to live that kind of life. Come on. How about you? Amen, everybody. Come on, help a preacher out this morning. Yeah. Man, I want to honor God. I want to honor His work. I want to honor His church. Because I don't know about you, but but I feel like I was, and maybe you were. I was was kind of like that Luke chapter 8 with Jesus. And I was a mess, man. I was a mess. I was in church all the time, but I was a wreck. (laughs) And Luke chapter 8, man, it's like Jesus got me delivered, man. Like those women. He delivered stuff out of my life. And so my life is like, God, (laughs) here it is. Here's the keys. Here's the checkbook. Here it is. It's all yours. Help me manage what you've given me. If you've given me five, two, or one, it all belongs to you. Help me. Give me some wisdom with investing and things and common sense and that. But it's not just the inscription of the world. and It's not just the image of the world that I bear. I bear your image. I bear your likeness. So help me, help you, let the gospel go to some more people who are just like me, a 20-year-old redneck in Tennessee whose life was going nowhere. And Jesus came in and invaded my space, and I just said yes. And he's taken me on a journey for the last 39 years that I'm so excited. And Jesus is the same. Come on, somebody, yesterday, today, and forever, and he'll do it for you. Can you say amen, everybody? Come on, help me out. Say amen, everybody. Yeah, bow your head, close your eyes. No one looking around. Would you do that? Give everyone the right to privacy right now. This is probably the most holy time in the service. We worship real well. You sat very respectfully and listened to the Word of God. But perchance there's anyone in the room today that you're far away from God. We said a moment ago we don't want anything from you, but we do want you to consider giving your life to Jesus Christ. Whose image is stamped in your heart? Is it yours only? Maybe you've never heard about God. Maybe you've heard about Jesus. Maybe you're away from Him this morning. Maybe the image has been stained. When I was a kid, we used to go to the train tracks and put penn- pennies on the train tracks. And they would, they would squash out the, the image of, of, of the penny. We'd pick them up and just put them in our pocket and laugh. And it seems like so many times that's what happens in the world. The world and pressure and things just takes away the image of God. It gets, it gets marred. It gets stained. God wants to... Show you again how the image of his life and his love can come penetrate your heart. Right there where you're at. No one looking around. No one moving for just a second. What we do around here, we don't have you stand up. We don't have you come to the front. But What we do is just in your response to you, the action that you have for saying, yes, I want Jesus. Or yes, I want to get reacquainted. Or, yes, I want to give my life again to him. Is just by lifting up a hand. We'll do that in just the next couple of seconds. If you're away from God, I'm talking to you. If your heart's beating, you're just saying, I need to get right this morning, I'm talking to you. We're not not talking about joining the church. We'd love for you to be here. We think this is an amazing church. We're not talking about getting water baptized. That's the next step. We talked about Brittany did this morning. But right now, it's you saying yes to Jesus and no to yourself and no to the way things have been. So all across the room with your head bowed, your eyes closed, you just say, that's me, Pastor Gary. Include me in that prayer. I want to pray and recommit.